0: Lisa Woodruff is a professional organizer, author, and speaker. And over the past 15 years, she has created systems and encouraged hundreds of women as they've organized their time, home, and businesses. And her latest book, 10 Steps to Organize Paper, is a step-by-step tutorial to help busy women organize every paper in their homes. Lisa's unique classifications of paper into active reference and daily paper is revolutionizing how women manage their paper. And she's joining us today on Amy's Table. Lisa, I am telling you, uh, the last time I spoke to you, you have changed so many facets of my life, but I'm ready for a brush up now speaking to you again. I'm glad you could join us today.
1: Thanks, Amy. I'm so glad.
0: Well, I'll tell you what we took away the last time we spoke to you was the thought process of the Sunday basket.
1: Yeah, and I started that as a Sunday daily post on my blog this year, and that is really taking off. Other bloggers have started linking to it, and people are commenting, and people are like, we have our Sunday baskets. We're ready to go.
0: I'm telling you, it pops up on my calendar every Sunday. Go through Sunday Basket with Rob. We set aside time to go through our Sunday basket. Mine is orange with a fetching ribbon on it. But it does. It's like, okay, I know that this is something we'll have to deal with. I toss it in the basket. But Lisa, I am still really plagued by paper. And I don't quite understand that because I'm paperless on almost every you know, bill or interaction that I might have, and yet I am plagued by paper, and often I'm paralyzed about throwing it away. So just kind of re-motivate me on that one.
1: Okay, well, it it is hard, and we are not a paperless society. No matter what people say, there is just so much paper that comes into our lives. The one thing that I really have done over the last 12 months is thought about if this information is available online. Because I'm a visual processor, so I use my printer a ton. And I will print out emails. I'll print out things that I see online. And really, it's just a reminder to think about it. Mm -hmm. And when I think about it the second time, I make a decision. So I say, okay, that was a cute whatever sweater. Am I going to go buy it? No. Okay, I recycle it. And I realize maybe that's not the most environmentally friendly. But otherwise, I'm sitting in front of the computer all the time and not making decisions. The other thing is I'll take notes. Like I'll print out an email, I'll take notes, and then I'll follow up to the email. I'll find the email again a week or two later, and I'll say, okay, that's closed business. I followed up with that. I can recycle that now. Because the email is in my Gmail, and I can access it six months from now if I want to know what that conversation was. Mm -hmm. But I can get rid of the paper then. So sometimes it's transitional paper. And it's okay that it's there. It's your second step. You cannot make single step decisions on everything, no matter what people say. We just, we need some time sometimes to process that information.
0: You know, you are so right. And I think that's where I, I get caught up is that second step information, something that either needs an activity, you know, related to the paper or some, some decision I've got to make or something I've got to enter into the computer or, you know, whatever. So, so that is definitely hard. So let's talk a little bit about this active reference and daily. What are some examples of daily paper, paper that's got to be at our fingertips? I'm assuming you mean.
1: Right, so daily would be the notes to come home from the kids' school but then have to turn around and go back the next day. Like, we get a Wednesday folder at our kids' school. Although I've learned that it is okay for the Wednesday folder to go home on Friday, which is what is going to happen. I'm taking two days to do my Wednesday folder this week because I cannot always process it that night. But that would be a daily paper. Right. Something that's going to come in and go right back out.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: An active paper would be like, this interview. I knew a week ago that we were going to do this interview. I sent you the notes. And so then I had to keep with me the active paper so that when we had the interview, I remembered what the heck we were going to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's perfect.
1: But it's only going to be around for, you know, a couple of weeks. Now we've recorded the interview and I could get rid of the
0: notes. You mean you're going to recycle me, Lisa? <laughs>
1: no, no, no. I'm going to put you in an electronic file, but I'm not going to hold on to the paper. File. Right,
0: right. Exactly. And, and then reference—is reference. that your sweater you were talking about?
1: No, no, no. That's active. You either it or you
0: don't. Right? <laughs> right. I guess that's true.
1: <laughs> no, that's more like your tax information, your social security cards, birth certificates. I can't tell you how often I will help people organize their home office, and we will find, you know, the social security card next to the expired coupons, next to the mail that didn't get opened six months ago. I mean, uh. it all gets mixed together, and you need to start separating it out in order of importance.
0: Very. That is so true. Well, you know, uh, when I spoke to you last, you talked about something that, you know, people have. I mean, I have a tall file cabinet. It's got four drawers and it's, it's quite tall, almost to my shoulder. And darn if it's not filled with so many files. And yet when I'm looking for something, I'm thinking, "Mm, would that be in, uh, you know, my kid's file? Would that be in the college file? Would that be in the... uh, So you really say with all of of that, we're overdoing it too, aren't we? In an attempt to be organized, you can become unorganized.
1: Well, many of us did not grow up in the digital age. So we're over 35. We're used to paper and we're used to filing it so we can access it later. Yeah. People in their 20s don't even have filing cabinets. Yeah. Often, I will go in... It'll be a fellow person in their 40s and I, and we will attack that four-drawer file cabinet in one session, and we will end up with less than one drawer when we're done because it's just not stuff that we need anymore. Yeah. And then in the drawer that's left, we color code the files. So the kids' files are a certain color. Home files are a certain color. Business files are a certain color. So when you open the drawer, it's already divided for you again by color.
0: I just love that. That just speaks to every one of my sensibilities. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, it's a you know, you're a busy woman. When are you going to have time to go through four file drawers? That's why people call me, because in a four-hour session, we will get it done. They have to set aside the time with me. I have the expertise to say, it's okay, you could throw that one away. Or, no, 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 we need to keep that one, even though they think we don't. Right. And then it's done in four hours and they feel so much better.
0: You know, my producer just held up a sign that said they have 10 drawers. I think you better go to his house right away. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with professional organizer Lisa Woodruff, talking about her latest book, 10 Steps to Organized Paper. And, you know, Lisa, here's the thing. I totally am emotional about paper. When I see a big pile, I feel overwhelmed. When I have to decide what to do with it, I feel overwhelmed. Um, But when I clear out some, I feel exhilarated. And when I look at it all, you know, in great shape, I feel empowered. So I'm not crazy when you say that there are emotions of clutter. And the first one's excitement. So talk to me a little bit about the excitement behind clutter.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that all of us, not now, because You know, it's very cold, but soon it will be spring. I promise it will be spring, right? It better be. We're going to have seasons again. Okay. So it will be spring. And there is just something about spring that makes every person want to get organized and want to get rid of stuff. It's just the natural flow of the year that you get really excited and you have this huge plan and you're like, I am going to organize this entire house in three hours. And, you know, then you get overwhelmed if that doesn't come to fruition, but you can spend a lot of energy. That's how yard work gets done. That's how gardens get planted. That's how the right. cleaning gets done. Is because you have this excitement of the moment and that propels you into getting organized.
0: And, you know, I say that take that, don't wait for spring. Use this as something to do in this dreadful winter and get going on your paper. You will feel excited. And energetic change. Now, this is almost along the lines of a little feng shui or something like that, but I think it's really true. Clutter makes me anxious. The energy it brings in is, is stressful and organization is calming.
1: Right, the end result of organizing, right? Right, 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 the end result. Like I do.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Energetic change is very similar to the spring cleaning change, but it's fueled by you're about to have a baby or you're about to get married or you're about to move. So many people who have moved or who are moving call me. That's probably 50% of my clients because they're like, we are not moving this stuff. Right. Let's get it organized. Or we moved five months ago. And I still don't know where the dishes are. Can you please help me with the <laughs> unpacking? And not just unpacking, but how do we use this new space most efficiently from the beginning? Like, I did a job yesterday, and the mom had me in because she has four children. She's a single mom, four children. And she wants the day the children walk into that new house for the systems to be in place.
0: So, so smart.
1: Figure it out for a month and then have to retrain her children. So, so smart. Energetic
0: change. Yeah, and that is brilliant, you know, and that's it. Sometimes you feel like you're in too deep. You don't have to move to be able to achieve that. You might need Lisa to come over and help you, but you don't have to move to achieve it. But if you are moving, oh, my God, that makes perfect sense. Well, you know, there are more of these, and I'm afraid I lean toward it a little bit myself than we like to admit as the ADHD mom. <laughs> tell me about the emotions behind that.
1: Oh, I tell you what, my heart just goes out I do not have ADHD, but I have a lot of family members that do, and and the majority of my clients do. And the number one thing that I think resonates with people who have been diagnosed with ADHD often in their late 30s and 40s is that they feel that they should be able to do this on their own. Like, there is something wrong with them, that they cannot keep this house more orderly. And what I will always say to them is, why? Like, like you're often it's somebody who's gifted in nursing or counseling or someone with that kind of a bent. Right. She's really good at listening, and they're good at, you know, being with people. I, I'm not so much. I'm good with, you know, like analyzing the situation, coming up with a plan and putting it in action. I'm more like a doctor, less like a nurse. Right. And when I say that, then they go, oh, that's true. I'm like, yeah, I'm not the person you want to call when you want to talk for five hours about your next chemo thing. You know, I said, I go in, I analyze, and I change it. And then you maintain it. Not only that, the mom is taking on the responsibility of everyone in that household. And that's not fair. You know, like, You're not responsible for your kids and your husband, but you could create an environment that works best for all For
0: everybody, which makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense. Well, you said something key, and send us off with this today, maintaining. I mean, how do you... So you come home, you come in either via your book or personally, we hire you, you come in, you organize our home. How do we maintain it? So that
1: is the number one thing. Organization is not a destination, it's a process. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I notice with my clients is that the way I organize every house is individualized. So I really do organize it based on how they use the space and the goals of that family. And it does stay organized. Now, there's a maintenance to it where you have to, like, keep going through the papers as they come through your house every day. But I am amazed. I will go back to some houses a year later and they will say, oh, my gosh, it's all not working. And I and I say, oh, no, like, did we do it wrong? This has never happened to me. And I'll show up at the house and I'll say, well, all the areas we organized are still working. The areas that are not working are ones we never got to. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So it does stay organized when you have a professional come in and analyze and help you make the situation work best for you. But not if they just buy you know, a new closet system and put it in for you. That won't work. They have to be an organizer that's going to listen long enough and analyze how you use space and set up a a space that functions the way you function it will be maintained
0: easier well i'll tell you you can find so many tips at lisa's website which is organize 365.com you can find lots of great tips for your paper in her book 10 steps to organize paper and i'm going to put a link to all of lisa's tips on amystable.com but lisa woodruff thank you so much i'm i'm telling you you inspire me no end so thank you for joining us today
1: you're welcome. Thanks for having
0: me. You're listening to Amy's Table. It's Amy's Table. A girl's guide to living. With Amy Tobin on Q102.